Welcome to the Dance Up, where we're shining the light on cultural competency between dance and healthcare for better communication and care. I am your co-host, Danielle Lydia Sheather, Assistant Professor of Dance. And I'm Dr. James Walters, chiropractor with Pinnacle Hill Chiropractic, located in upstate New York. Today, we have Kaylee Donowski on with us. She's a former professional ballet dancer and currently a student at Brown University. And today, we're going to talk about a little bit of mental health as well as her transition into what beyond dance looks like. Uh, welcome to the show, Kaylee, if you want to give us a little bit of an introduction of yourself. Hi, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I was a professional ballet dancer for 10 years, um, danced in lots of small regional companies across the U.S., and just recently decided to take the plunge into retirement and attend university as a full-time student. Excellent. Congratulations. That is, it's a big step, right? It's a, it's a big step. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about, so um, I moved from, you know, Toronto to New York to a bunch of other places, ended up in Utah. So talk to us a little bit about your, um, your time in each of those different places, because you mentioned several places. So um, any, any kind of differences that you noticed or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's funny now that I'm at school, a lot of people ask me where I'm from. And I genu genuinely don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. And I think this is what a lot of dancers go through. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was, because I was born in Ohio. I grew up in North Carolina. Um, I recently lived in Rochester, New York for six years with New York State Ballet. But I also danced in Montgomery, Alabama, Chicago, Illinois, Albany, um, New York, you know, just mm -hmm. all over. Um, definitely big cultural differences, like yeah. living in Alabama for a year in mm -hmm. Montgomery, very quiet, sleepy capital city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I will say I had so much fun that year. It was the people that made it. We had dancers from all around the world in our, con in our company. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely loved it. Yeah. You're right though. This idea of like identity and like, where are you from? You know, uh, my, my husband is, uh, is an army brat. Right. And, and was born in Germany. So this idea of like, uh, where are you from is funny to him. You know, he's like, I don't know. I, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then to, you know, uh, his mother is German, his father is American. And so there's also all of that. Right. So I think there's a unique understanding that dancers have as we, um, pursue our careers in multiple different places and spaces, right? Yeah, never seem to stay in one place for very long. <laughs> yeah, those are those are facts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Most people tend to like attach their identity to a place, and you know, right. we just don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, that's great. Okay, well, can you tell us a little bit about your introduction into dance? Um, you told us a little bit about your career, but anything further you want to add? And then your decision to pursue um, education, like moving beyond, um, you know, as you mentioned, you're going to retire. Yeah, um, so most, like most little girls in the U.S., um, I was put in dance class when I was like four years old. My mom danced, not professionally, but, you know, pretty seriously throughout high school. And so I just fell in love with it. And at that age, at four years old, I decided I was going to be a professional ballet dancer and just never looked back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people, you know, get tired of it around, you know, eight or nine or whatever age. And I just never stopped and um, was very headstrong about my decision to keep going. So yeah, it's really the only thing I ever wanted to do, but it came to a point, especially toward my late twenties, um, you know, where I started noticing that I was kind of maybe sorry to get into some deeper stuff, but I guess tired of the explo exploitation and things that go on in the dance world and started noticing that more. So right. the joy of dance wasn't quite enough, um, to carry me through these other thoughts and feelings that I was having yeah, in the way that companies are run. Mm -hmm. So I just started thinking about it, you know, what's next? Am I going to stay in the dance world the rest of my life? Do I even like that? I already taught ballet. I, you know, I enjoyed teaching, but do I enjoy doing that, you know, as a full-time career and was realizing that the answer was no. And I needed to, to find another out. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think, first of all, thank you for your honesty, because I think it's sometimes <clears throat> difficult for us to admit it to ourselves, because then it means it's true. Uh, right. And then also this kind of um, uh, covered 
discussion that we we know happens and is certainly opening up, but might not be in a way that it feels like it's going to be supported if we say it out loud. So I want to say like, thank you for your honesty and your courage, because I think that's so important. Um, And then also the self-reflection piece of, you know, do I like teaching, but do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Do I, you know, um, that's also another wonderful, uh, you know, again, self-reflection piece where we're going to sit down and say, what do I want to do? Is this, is this like the end game? Right. So thank you. Thank you. In In the past, we've talked a lot about how it's a misconception that if you want to be involved in the dance industry, you have to be a dancer. And we've talked about, Oh, there's so many other things you can do related to dance. But it's also just as valid to just say, no, you get to a point and you're done. I think there's this almost, there's a name of the fallacy, but it's it's effectively that you've bought in so much that you have to commit. And I think that that's something that happens in the dance world that isn't real. Like this notion that, well, I've been doing this for so long. What does it mean now if I'm feeling like I don't need to? And I feel like that has an effect on dancers just as much. Like there is this notion, and we talk about this in the chiropractic profession too, that we tend to eat our young. So dancers being at the lowest rung, quote unquote, as far as like the machine of the dance industry tend to get the most used and abused because they're the ones put through the longest rehearsal hours. We tend to view them as numbers, not people that are replaceable. And so they kind of get churned and ground up. And then they're kind of left with this feeling of, well, I've bought into this so much. What else am I going to do? And then they stay in the industry, maybe tangentially, which may not always be the right fit for them. And sometimes, like like you said, sometimes the answer really is like, no, I, I think I'm done. I'm going to step away. How, as much as you feel like talking about it, um, how did you feel you came to that decision? When Did you kind of have like the, was it a slow moving decision or was it kind of like this instant, like you kind of woke up and realized like, oh no, I'm done with this? Um, it was definitely a little bit slower. I think I first felt this kind of panic set in, like that was kind of sudden where I was like, oh, like I'm getting a little bit older. Um, I think I need to think about my future. And that was very sudden, probably around like 27, 28 years old, Um, maybe a little bit earlier than that. And the panic part of it was, we talked a little bit about identity earlier. You know, my identity was so wrapped up in being a dancer. And I was like, I don't know who I am without this. So I thought I knew it was really important to start exploring just what what are my other interests like I had no idea what else I liked so I just enrolled in a community college class and I was terrified of that I was I hadn't been in school in like eight years I was like can I do this do I know how to learn am I gonna hate it (laughs) so I just took one class I saw something that sparked my interest it was a psychology of sports class and I was like hmm, you know like this is probably good to know you know especially you know dancers are athletes so I took the class and I realized that I loved learning I was like okay like that's something I can chase like I don't know what I want to learn I realized that mental health was interesting to me and it, I could also connect that still to my ballet identity because I wasn't ready to let that go yet um and that was kind of what started it hmm. Yeah. You mentioned another thing, exploring, right? Like, uh, I, I, I have this conversation a lot, but the idea of curiosity when you are in a very strict environment can sometimes feel stifled because you can, you know, you can put your own, um, spin on a character or on a, on a thought, or if you have a choreographer who's coming in, who's creating a new work, you, you can have this, this moment of curiosity of movement, curiosity and all that. But traditionally it is very set that like, these are the steps, these are the rules, this is what you do. And so mm-hmm. again, to go into like a community college environment, know what you need, right? No. Okay. I'm only going to take one class because I think I need to look at what this all is about. Um, finding something that piques your interest and then exploring, uh, you know, it's even, even with this, like anyone that I teach right now, um, this idea of curiosity is almost foreign because it feels mm-hmm. wrong, um, even in the studio, you know, and 
like the works that I create, I'm excited about curiosity. So I always wondering, like, what are your thoughts? How how does that feel to do that? You know, and I, I oftentimes have people be like, I just wanted to, can you give me the right answer? Uh, so I love that you have decided that, you know, curiosity and exploration are really important parts of <clears throat> making this decision. Or it can also be inside of a studio setting if if that is cultivated and if that's quote I'm going to say allowed I don't know if that's the right word but yeah yeah no that's so true and you know it was interesting bringing that curiosity into the studio like quite literally I felt very awkward because I was bringing my books into rehearsal you know there's lots of times where you're sitting kind of sitting around and we're taught to eat sleep breathe dance all yep. the time mm-hmm. and you know I'm sitting there with my psychology textbook like feeling really <laughs> weird like I'm doing something wrong like I sh- I need to be focused I need to be only thinking about dance when literally I had no responsibility I was just waiting for my next rehearsal mm. um, but that's when when I but when I was sitting there and I was like you know what I'm kind of enjoying reading my textbook more than I am thinking about my rehearsal I was like okay I, there's something up here there's something going on <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there there's definitely that like moment I feel like so <clears throat> when when you start to realize that you might be passionate about something else I, I'm curious how that first day felt um in that class because I know for me mine was my transition like epiphany was like very sudden like it was my 25th birthday I woke up in the morning and said to my girlfriend at the time I'm gonna retire from dance and it, I didn't that year. I was it was over the next several years as I put together my transition plan. But I remember sitting similarly in a community college doing some prereqs for my doctorate and being in chemistry class and doing stoichiometry and converting units and having no idea what I was doing and being terrified. I think I like went home and cried and I'm like, I don't know if I can learn. And eventually hunkered down and, and did great, but that first day of school was like the most nerving thing, almost probably than any show I had done because I wasn't sure if I could actually do something other than dance again. How was it for you? Well, James, you kind of were more successful for, than me because you actually went to school. I <laughs> copped out and chose an online class. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was <laughs> Yeah, I was not ready to set foot in the classroom. But did it, did, was there like this feeling of like, okay, this is like a new thing or how, or did it kind of just transition naturally? Def- it, it, it was definitely for the first couple classes, you know, even online, I was like, yeah, this is very new. Like it, it just felt foreign trying to remember how to take notes and be yeah. an active listener, you know, but I, I think the transition came pretty naturally after that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank again. Wow. It's so great to hear um, two stories, very vastly different. And then also to note that like education has changed because now there is this um, possibility yeah. of um, online teaching or online teaching, online learning, both. Right. Um, I And I love that you're just like, yep, I decided that that might be too much. So I'll go <laughs> this way. Right. And again, I feels like a, a transition of um, a really well thought out thought process. It probably didn't feel like that at the time. It probably was like, what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> um, but to, really? to know that you weren't ready to step into a classroom, I think that's that's invaluable. Did you find that because I know you said you originally took just one class. How did you find the balancing of both when you were dancing and taking courses as maybe the courses got more intense or as your rehearsal process got more intense, you were, um, you know, rehearsing for a show or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I noticed that with one class, I was, you know, keeping up with it pretty easily. Um, even during I think because I was I was so invested in it. You know, I like I said, I was in between rehearsal breaks. I was there. I was reading. I was taking notes. Um, it kind of filled up every extra moment that I had. Um, and then it actually kind of transitioned into like a real escape for me, also from the ballet world. Um, that was the spring semester. I signed up for one class, and then next fall I took three online at the same time while I was dancing, teaching, and doing everything. Um, just because I wanted even more of an escape, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So you, yeah, that's great. So you didn't feel like it was a burden. You felt like, oh, I can go and do this now. I can go and like exactly. explore this now. Wow. That's great. That's, that's awesome. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> James, what about you? Cause you said you transitioned too, right? Like how was that transition? <clears throat> yeah, mine, I guess it was, 
similar in that I was only taking a couple classes. I think I limited it to about two classes for my prereqs. The the hard line was once I was into my doctoral program, it was a shutoff. That was at that point it, the program was so intense there was my involvement in the dance industry then became the the escape from the craziness of my studies because I would teach um so that would be my escape. Um mm. But at that point, performing wise was pretty much entirely gone. Um, I'm I'm fascinated because at 30, I applied to NYU's doctor of physical therapy program and then deferred. I was like, oh, I didn't think I was going to get in. (laughs) And I had to do a bunch of prereqs and all kinds of stuff. And then a couple of years later, I I actually let the deferment go away. And a couple of years later, I did it again. And I had obviously had to take some prereqs because I had been out of class school for so long that nothing, you know, nothing counted. Uh, which I actually think is a money making right. scheme in some ways. I know oh, science yeah. is so please. I not I don't not believe science. Um, but I definitely I took calculus because uh, that was the one that was offered, and that's the one that fit in my dancing schedule, my teaching schedule, or performance schedule. And I remember being like, I was all in. I did not like taking calculus. It was very hard after like twelve years of using a calculator. You know, <laughs> you're like, right. okay, here I go. I'm going to try this. Um, did exceptionally well and then got into some classes at NYU. And I remember they were playing classical music over in the, um, in the labs. And one day I just walked out. I left my computer. I left my bag. I I was like, I don't think I can leave dance. So it was, it's like, I'm fascinated by these other two stories where it just, it's, and it is a personal journey. So I I also like, but I'm fascinated because every now and then I'm like, wouldn't it just be easier? <laughs> you know? And I don't know that's true. I don't know that's true. So I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I don't actually believe that's true, but yeah. Um, so you are now pursuing what? I am currently double concentrating in psychology and history of art and architecture. I, okay. So those in my brain seem seemingly totally opposites. So talk <laughs> to me about what, what, how it, it, it seems to me that your curiosity is still interested in both. And so how do they, do they relate at all? How are you, how are you finding that? Yeah, I find that they kind of surprisingly relate pretty well because I, I realized that my interest in psychology is really an interest in people and how they think and why things come about. So then I'm when I'm learning about art history or um, the way that a city was constructed, I'm thinking about why, why was it like this? You know, um, what were people thinking and why does this work? So in that sense, I feel like it's it's worked out pretty well. It was also a journey for me to discover or, you know, I came into school psych, like I'm studying psych. That's what I want to do. I wanted to go the research route, um, thinking about Ph.D. programs. Um, and then there was like a journey in there in realizing like there's more to me. Maybe I was attached to psych just because I could relate it to ballet. Um, and I I kind of had an epiphany that, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm still doing psych. I might go that route. But like I I it took me a moment to free myself and really study something completely unrelated to ballet and be like, that's okay. Like I have this other interest and it's really cool and it's led to some cool opportunities as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of short story of, of why I'm doing two seemingly very different things. Yeah. But again, you're talking about discovery. You're talking about self-investigation, right? You're, you're, as an outsider, it seems that you're investing in yourself and sometimes investing in ourselves looks like, what do I want to do? Let me like get in the sandbox and make a, you know, a really, you know, get my hands dirty, get my, you know, make a, make a castle, but then break it down and make another one and see which one, you know, I think that that's really beautiful. And you had, you said it's led to some really wonderful experiences. So I want to hear all about this archeological dig that you were on. That sounds so cool. Yeah, you're talking about getting in a sandbox and getting a <laughs> That's kind of what I did all summer. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. Um, yeah, I did an archaeological dig in southern England, a tiny little town called Cern Abbas. And they always knew that there was a med- medieval abbey there. That's why That's it's Cern awesome. Abbas. Um, but it's no it was it's no longer standing, and they kind of approximately knew where it was. 
So I got to be on the first summer of this dig. It's going to be going on for several summers um, and broke ground there. We found the cloister walkway. I found some incredible pieces of medieval architecture. And it just was so freeing to just be in the dirt, like on my hands and knees, working with my hands. I think as a dancer, you know, we're so physical. So I think I was missing that in my studies, like in my college classes, just, you know, it's all mental. Mm. So that was really refreshing to just be using my hands. I, my muscles, you know, as a dancer, I'm used to being sore, but I have never been so sore in my hands before. (laughs) (laughs) I like couldn't clench my, my fists anymore because it was just like so locked up. I was like, this is familiar and foreign all at the same time. Um, But yeah, it was really cool. We found like a tile floor in in its place, three meters underneath the dirt. Um, I found a piece of stone that was gilded, like in gold and painted. It's like one of the best days ever. Holy cow. Yeah. I was going to say, I remember seeing on your Instagram, I think that you would like unearth like this really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was really exciting because I, you know, was just kind of trawling and taking you know when you do this you take like a centimeter an inch you know off a wall or a floor so you're just very carefully going and then I started to see a a shape I was like that's not natural that's definitely carved like human formed stone Mm. and then I saw some red paint on it and then I saw the gold and I was like okay like yelling to the supervisors I think I found something and like everybody gathered they got the video camera out because they wanted to film me excavating it and it was like kind of this big exciting moment awesome yeah and then they bought me ice cream after (laughs) wait and then they what (laughs) they bought me ice cream after (laughs) (laughs) well I was just gonna say to you like what is that moment of I found like I, do I stop? Do I go, what, how do, how does this work? Right. Well, exactly. Like I'm not trained as an archeologist. I was, you know, a student on this team and which anybody can go on, by the way, you don't have to be a, uni- a college student. Um, yes. So we had two 65 year olds on our dig that wow. were just interested in digging. Um, so yeah, I don't, I always felt I had a joke with a, a friend the first day that we were just imposters. <laughs> like, we don't know what we're doing. And they kind of just let you go. But yeah, I was, I was like shaking because then they brought the camera out and I'm supposed to be excavating this mm. and I, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just like carefully trailing and the director of the dig goes, Kaylee, I just want you to know sometimes things break and if it breaks, I don't want you to cry. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to, I'm going to get it out without breaking it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it, it was, it was a very surreal moment. I bet. I also wonder too, um, I don't know if this, I feel like I would have done this, not on purpose, but I think subconsciously that when the camera gets turned on, it's like, it has, yeah. it has to be perfect or it has to be correct or it has, did you have a moment of that for, for like even an instant? Oh, definitely. And and I don't know if that's from being a dancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You say. know, that perfection. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to make sure like my trowel is like pointing the right way and you know, all this stuff. <laughs> And then I think the the lady who was videotaping, she was kind of, at one point, she was like, okay, Kaylee, it's been 13 minutes. Like you can go a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> I just say the camera's on and it's like you're on stage again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was very wow. weird. Yeah. What an amazing cool. experience. That like, is cool. You know, mm-hmm. and I, it's so funny. Cause I, you know, when we do some like seemingly impossible feat on stage it, it's like such a, a a euphoric experience but that there can be euphoric experiences outside of that as well right um mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. this one felt like pressure but pressure in a different way you know like it's 13 minutes you know so sure yeah. but in other ways it's always it's just that there are possibilities out there for other the the other experiences you talked about joy mm-hmm. there's, there's another experience of joy in there well yeah and you know, kind of going a little bit back into your transitioning now into this new program. We've talked before about with uh, with other guests about making that transition and how it feels. And, you know, kind of the three stories we have on here is, you know, Danielle was thinking about, you know, separating from dance entirely and then got draw back in. I took on a new you know, interest in my doctorate, but still related to dance. You're kind of more breaking totally away. What 
in kind of having that moment on the dig or any other moments, was there this kind of feeling of like, oh, I can do this new thing or, oh, I can be successful in this new, like, was there kind of that moment of you felt like you made that transition or were now rightfully a part of this new thing at all? Yeah, I think the most notable moment was a sense of relief that I felt because after leaving dance, my biggest fear was that I would never find something that I was quite so passionate about or that it it just wouldn't be possible. You know, like I said, I always wanted to be a ballet dancer. And then you have those certain moments that stand out when we're on stage or, you know, those just kind of euphoric like moments of like joy that make all the sacrifice and exploitation worth it. And, you know, I've experienced that in life and some people go their whole lives and never experienced that so I was I was just terrified that I'd never find something that made me feel like that again so that moment of finding that incredible piece of history that had been buried for hundreds of years and everybody's cheering me on it gave me that same feeling and I was like okay like we're gonna be okay there's other things in life that can live up to ballet ballet is not the end-all be-all yeah also Transitioning into the school, I don't know if you want to say, but uh, for those who do wonder, oh, can I do something other than dance? Do you want to ma- mention uh, where you're going and and how you got there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I'm at Brown University right now. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> is, I, I mean, I never saw myself here at, at this type of school. <laughs> An Ivy League um, school, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was possible, um, but I just was starting to explore other schools. I actually saw that I first found that Yale has a program called the Eli Whitney program, which is right. it's just an admissions program. Um, you get treated as a regular student, but they're looking for people who have had a break in their education for some other reason, whether it be professional, family related. Um, So they're looking for unique people to diversify their student body population. Um, And then they also want to see that you've done some school and you've performed well. So that's where having like the community college um, aspect was really good for me as well. Um, And so after that, I was just was digging a little more. It was harder to find, but Brown also has a program like this called the Resumed Undergraduate Education Program. Um, They take 10-ish people every year. Um, Same story. You have to have had a break, some sort of um, career. So yeah, I didn't even think it was possible. I kind of just applied for fun. I was like, let's see if like, wouldn't that be funny if I got into an Ivy? Um, and right. I had been thinking about, you know, the, obviously the transition and and I knew that I wanted to go to school, but even my last performance, it was in like March or something, we did Cinderella and I had already applied to both Yale and Brown and I didn't know if I was in. And it was a very weird performance because the whole time I was like, this might be my last show, but it might not be. Right. (laughs) I didn't want to think I was going to get into these schools. So in my head, I was like, okay, we're probably, you know, maybe just go to school in Rochester, which is going to be great. And maybe I'll still try to keep dancing. Um, And then it wasn't until after that show, I, I found out I was accepted and, you know, then I was like, okay, I guess I'm retired. Uh. (laughs) I can't let this opportunity pass me up. Yeah. And also just plug any dancers who are thinking about retirement and you're worried about like costs, these schools and ridiculous financial aid. So just, it's like fully covered. Wow. I don't have to pay a thing, you know, coming from ballet. It, I, you know, you don't make a lot. <laughs> so right. mm-hmm. for most dancers, if you're worried about that kind of thing, you know, just apply, see what happens. Cause you never know. Yeah. What a great, yeah. What a great statement. Cause you're right. I similarly with the, um, when I went back to school also when I pursued my MFA, I was clear that I was living in New York. I, I had done well, not great. I'm not, you know, but I didn't want to go back to being a poor dancer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and so like the, the financial aid package is important, mm-hmm. um, especially as you go back older. Cause I went back to get my MFA at 34, uh, so I, I had had, I, I, I knew how I wanted to live my life comfortably, not in a way again, <laughs> you know, but I wanted to make sure that I didn't have to, um, suffer and sacrifice as I had when I first moved to New York. So yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. That's certainly something that's on my mind going forward is, Mm -hmm. you know, it it, it would be nice to have some cushion (laughs) after living the poor ballerina lifestyle for a long time. Well, I think, yeah, that's kind of the part of it too, where I think people are discouraged from trying other avenues because maybe they don't think they can, you know, make the cost or, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's both the fear of the unknown and yeah, how do you support yourself kind of thing? Because you've only been taught to support yourself one way. Right. Um, Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I'm definitely inspiring as far as the fact that you, you were able to make that transition and get into such an awesome school Mm -hmm. when it comes to education because we've talked about this before um you know coming from the dance world where everything is like very regimented and procedural what is the structure of education at a school like brown is it something where they tell you what to take or is it more open how have you found that transition and difference yeah so yeah i can't speak to every school obviously only to brown um it's kind of has a reputation as the hippie ivy um we have (laughs) what's called the open curriculum there is zero structure zero like you can take whatever (laughs) you want there's no requirements i think you have to take two writing intensive classes before you graduate but it could be in any field and the only requirements you have is whatever concentration you eventually pick there's requirements within that but it was really hard because my last summer before coming here I wanted answers you know I wanted to know you know what am I supposed to be doing how and it's not just like academically in classes the whole school there there's like two hard and fast rules there's like a rule where you can um, drop a class there's like a date you have to drop a class by and that's a hard and fast rule but pretty much everything else they're like yeah, maybe that's Brown, you know, ask, see if you can do that. Um, and yeah, it, w- it was actually really hard for me because you, it's a lot of type A people come in here and they kind of right. wear you down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then this year I actually, I'm a peer leader. I was a peer advisor for orientation for new people coming in. And I saw people just like me coming in, like with so many questions and they're wanting answers. And I found myself saying the things people were telling me, which was really annoying at the time, which was, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to work out. (laughs) You're going to be fine. (laughs) So that was really weird. Definitely coming from ballet where you're told what to do in every aspect. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. How how does it feel getting to pick everything yourself and just kind of stitch it together? Um, it's really nice. I'm not like a math person. I don't like math and I don't have to take a single math class here. To be fair, my psychology degree requires statistics and I already took that at my community college, but yeah, you know, I, I don't have to take any class I don't want to take, which is really nice. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like too, um, I don't know if university is also meant to, or college is also meant to, uh, expand your horizons um this idea of allowing folks to discover is also important um Mm -hmm. and i don't you know i don't have the right answers because i certainly want to know that my doctor who i go for for whatever condition and has taken the classes that's going to support diagnosing me with whatever i need help with right Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there is this unique opportunity for students to be able to um, ask themselves those questions, right? What is it that I want to study? Where do I see myself? And the answer might not appear immediately, but that sounds like a really Mm -hmm. wonderful curriculum that you're, I'm using the word curriculum and I'm like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. is that maybe that's even like too clinical, right? Well, it's technically called the open curriculum. So yeah, you're (laughs) sort of on the right path. I do have a question though, going back a little bit. So when you did discover, okay, I got in, I'm, I'm retired. What was that conversation like with your colleagues, um, with your directors, with family? How did that, how did that go? It was a little weird because I didn't, like I said, I I didn't want to make any assumptions that I was going to get into these schools. And I also didn't admit I didn't use the word retirement until I mean at least six seven eight months later because I I just couldn't admit it to myself so I think a lot of people didn't see it coming um Mm -hmm. and I didn't 
you know, that last show that I did in, uh, was Cinderella. And I'd always dreamed of having like a retirement performance and the community would be around and be like, thank you for dancing for us for six years and, you know, have kind of a celebration. And I knew my company, you know, wasn't really like that. It wasn't going to do that anyway. Um, but I, I just didn't tell anybody. I, I told my parents, I was like, hey, they live in North Carolina, you know, 11 hour drive. And I was like, I think you should be at this one. And I never actually explicitly said, hey, this is my last show because I wasn't entirely sure, but I just didn't want to admit it. So right. I just the few people that I cared about, I was like, please be at this one. Sorry, I'm getting like emotional. Oh, no, that's sorry. <laughs> like thought about this for a while. Mm. Um, but I think I knew I knew inside it was my last show. And mm. I just, you know, had a few people there that I, I cared about. Yeah. And that was it. it yeah. Was weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think too, you know, it's uh, there's something subconscious. I think that sometimes happens where we might know, but we don't like right. we don't have the evidence in front of us, and so mm-hmm. it it, it uh, maybe couches our ability to say it out loud for a number of reasons, right? It's emotional, it's scary, mm-hmm. it's all of those things. But mm-hmm. that like there's something deeper going on that knows how to take care of us. You yeah. know, that is kind of subconscious for sure. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. And then, you know, and there were people like Dr. James, like, <laughs> there, like you were one of the first people that told, like, I knew you were going to be so excited for me. Oh, and yeah. No, I was. I, I just knew it. I was like, James, he knows what's up. <laughs> he saw me through this transition. So having people like you there and just like the excitement, I think just made it really easy for me because I knew that I was I was not leaving ballet for you know, just leaving it and then going to the unknown. Like I knew that there was a reason and I had something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Brown University, like that's a, right. that's a, that's a big thing to look forward to. That's yeah. incredible. And then this archaeological dig, I can't get over it. I'm like, it's, <laughs> that's amazing. That's incredible. Well, I remember mm-hmm. when you had told me about it, that was the thing I was most excited about. I'm like, oh no, you're totally getting this. <laughs> yeah, like in my mind, I'm like, no, she's totally going to go to an Ivy League school. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you had more confidence in me than I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I appreciate usually, it. Yeah, and that's usually the case, right? Like, and that's why, I, you know, one of those things, you know, if we get something out of this podcast is that, we, you know, the exploitation that exists in the dance world is is vast and prominent and real. Yeah. And that we have to start surrounding ourselves with people who are supportive, whether we decide to stay in it or not, right? That mm-hmm. it it's so important because you will, you'll have all those people that are like, you can do this. And you're like, <laughs> I definitely don't think I can. <laughs> I, maybe I, I'm like nuts. I'm not sure, but I think it's important to recognize that. Um, Cause I, I do, I think that for, at least for me, that's how I can preserve some of my joy that I'm like, right. Oh, okay. I need to go. Like, I know who I need to speak to when, you know, <laughs> like which friends I need to call when something is happening. Um, and that's from yeah. someone still inside the inside the world. But it's important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important in life as well to have those people that are going to uplift you and tell you, yeah, you can you can do this regardless of whatever you're studying. Well, I think that even with the, you know, some of the bad that comes with the the structure of the dance industry, I think and this may be me projecting, but I've always held the the belief that we create stronger people. We know how to advocate for ourselves. We work really hard. And I think that compared to more of the non-dance population, we tend to be more passionate and aggressive about our passions because we have to like audition for the role we want every couple of months. Um, so I remember like seeing how much you love doing this and making your transition to psych and having those books there. That's why I was like, there's no way she's not getting it. There's like, I had every faith that I'm like, no, no, I don't think there's many people who would deserve it more. Mm. So yeah, I do. I do think that's maybe one of our, our good takeaways from the wear and tear that we get. (laughs) We're very, very aggressive and passionate. (laughs) aggressively passionate is that what yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get t-shirts made say the day right. aggressively passionate <laughs> that's so funny you know it was it was good that you kind of did subconsciously know that this might be your last show because i feel like 
retirement is either one of those two things and never something in between either it's oh this person's been here forever and then like there's this acknowledgement or it's kind of like a lot of dancers just kind of fade away like for me in my mind my last show was on the cruise ship when i was 25 and then i danced some more and then i danced some more and then i was like a ballet master and then like so there was never really like this finality moment where i'm like this is the final thing it just was then gone it was you know i had just fully transitioned in so having that moment i'm sure made it more special like you said to have the people you cared about and say okay this might be it even if you can tell them this might be it mm-hmm. definitely and i think it made it easier too just on me for like me mentally um i think having like kind of a big hoopla and retirement thing i think would have been really hard um and yeah. You know, a lot of people have been asking me, do you miss it? And my response is, is it weird if I say no? Right. That feels wrong. It feels like I should be crushed, devastated, missing this part of me that I lost because it was, you know, like I said, it was my identity for 29 years. But like, I'll still always have that identity as a dancer. And I've just been so busy and having so much fun exploring the other sides of me like who am I without this thing right and it's cool I remember thinking back to when I was younger I always wanted to be a ballet dancer but I also kind of wanted to be an archaeologist or a secret service agent and (laughs) I don't want to be a secret service agent anymore but this like memory of being like a little kid and thinking archaeology was cool I was like where is this coming from why am I wanting to go on a dig I was like you know what actually that's always been a desire of mine Mm -hmm. Um, I just had forgotten about it so you know there's there's so many sides to us and we don't have to just stick to one thing well, and what you said about your hands, like, it, of course, you're still a dancer because the awareness of like, oh, yeah. oh, that, you know, like that is something that, you know, and I, it's funny. I taught, I, I'm teaching dance history. And one of the conversations we had was like, put music on with children from any walk of life, any, any, any space or place, they will move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, are we all dancers? Like inherently, is that just something that we have inside of us? And that perhaps it's cultivated in a ballet way or a contemporary way or a modern tap or whatever, but that there is something about unique about the human experience that when a rhythm or a music is played, that there is movement, right? Mm-hmm. And archaeology certainly has movement. You were just, you know, you're just explaining mm-hmm. how you're, you know, I think that's, yeah, it is. It's interesting because we do, we wrap our identities so much into a specific kind of like, this is what dance is, or this is what, or this, but maybe it's just movement. Right. Mm, Yeah. No, that's, that's such an interesting idea Mm. because yeah, it never really leaves you. You know, I'm just not in an organized fashion being told what to do and where to stand. And (laughs) exactly, exactly. But you know, it's, it's always there. So. Well, in our episode on emotional learning and dance, we talked a lot about identity and and kind of one of the takeaways we had mentioned is that the best identity to have is being you first and then the things you participate in second rather than identifying Mm -hmm. as the thing and i think you know that's basically what you described you were doing is you were identifying as kaylee and learning to not identify as i'm dancer And I think Mm -hmm. that's like a big thing. And I think when you start to feel comfortable with that, answering that, do you miss it question becomes one more honest and easy because I get the same question and yeah, people will say, oh, do you miss dancing? And the joke I always make is, you know, I don't miss performing at all. I do miss waking up in a different country every morning, (laughs) being on the ships. That was really nice. Um, But yeah, there's that part of me that's always, you know, going to be the dancer. And that's the thing I participate in. But yeah, I've learned to not, make that my my total identity and now now it's just a facet of it and as is being a doctor so i think that is like i don't know, kind of like the healthy way of transitioning uh mm-hmm. either into a new phase of the dance world or into a related field or totally away from it kind of learning that like this is a facet of me but it's not it's no mm-hmm. longer the totality of me which is mm-hmm. i think what we're kind of conditioned to feel when we're younger Definitely. And I would say that was kind of the number one thing I was aware of as I started. We talked about that moment where I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to think about my future. 
I kind of honed in on that identity aspect. And I knew that if I wanted to have an easier retirement, because this is a problem that persists in ballet and dance in general, is a lot of people are very depressed after retiring. And um, it's just an issue that we face. But I knew that if I wanted to have an easier time, I had to start figuring out who I was outside of ballet. Mm. So if anybody is like starting to think about that, you know, the idea of retirement you know, that's the best thing you can do for yourself is start exploring, Mm -hmm. realize that there are other things that are going to make you happy. Yeah. And also, again, you just keep uh, touching on this button of self-discovery, self-reflection, self-analysis, like there's some, there's some internal work too, to happen that, you know, even just when you asked yourself that question, like, am I, is this making me happy anymore? Like, you know, uh, and that's a scary question to ask. And I think sometimes, you know, at least for me, sometimes I'll avoid the question. So I don't have to think that like, "Eh, this is probably not the best project to take on or this or that or whatever it is. Um, But I think it's important to recognize that, um, that self-discovery piece and analysis piece and and try, trying, right? Because you said, I'll just, I'll do one class. And you know what? I'm going to take it online. I'm not going to take it in person because this is where I'm at, at this today, right? Tomorrow mm-hmm. it might change, but today this is where I'm at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we normally wrap up with something along the lines of how do we relate this topic to making the dance world a better place as far as it relates to health and dance. But I think for this one, I I think it'd be better to kind of touch on what has been your biggest takeaway in life about making this transition totally away from dance and into something new that you're passionate about? Like, what do you want dancers to know who might be finding that same truth? Yeah. I mean, just kind of to recap what we've been saying, like, you are not ballet. Ballet is not you <laughs> or dance. I, I say ballet because that's what I did. But, you know, there is so much more to life and it is okay to be 100% invested and in love with one thing, but it is not your identity. Like, go for it. Be all in, but be open and explore. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's important too, because even with the dance world, like uh, there is such a, there can be, I don't want to say, you know, it's not a blanket statement, but there can be such a, a a clamping down of like, this is how it is the end. Um, And that stifles creativity. That's, and then there, and then you're asked like, okay, explore this role. Those things do not seemingly go hand in hand. It's very difficult Mm -hmm. to sort of find, you know, and of course we need parameters, we need guidelines, we need things like that. But as Brown was, as you said, right, it's an open curriculum in that Mm -hmm. like by the end of this four years or however long you decide to take for your degree, you will have accomplished these guidelines or these goals but that mm-hmm. they are self they're in some ways sometimes self-guided sometimes um helped through a mentor right you were a peer you know which mm-hmm. i it's so funny i find myself giving advice that i got once too and i don't like it either <laughs> but, you know um and so i think also to 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 bring it back to the dance world that it's possible to live in both places um but we have to be aware and open and available to that that we can't push down that identity that that is your identity that is your soul identity there's nothing else that you can explore or have the time to explore because you're so overwhelmed with so many other things mm-hmm. um so i think it's also beautiful to know that it doesn't have to be the be all end all regardless mm-hmm. of if it's ballet if it's dance if it's jazz it's mm-hmm. tap, whatever mm-hmm. um that you're a whole person you're right. a whole person <laughs> yeah and then just to like one more thought on that like mm-hmm. Just because you find you have other interests doesn't diminish your love for dance. Right. That yeah. And it's also like a protection mechanism because say you don't get the role or you have a bad rehearsal, you have other things to fall back on that also make you happy. Mm. And I wish I, I wish I realized that earlier mm. in my dance career. Wow. Yeah, I do. I do definitely think that of the three tracks, staying in dance transitioning to dance related or leaving dance the the leaving dance one i think is accompanied with the most fear or guilt or shame because they feel it's easy to feel like well if i'm leaving this thing then it's because i've 
given up or because I don't, you know, I regret. And it's not always that. Sometimes it literally is you loved a thing and then you moved on to another thing that you also loved and it doesn't diminish any of that. Like you can still be in love with that thing and, and find something new that you want to pursue. Yeah. Wow. Important conversation for sure. I, I think it's invaluable um, and necessary because I don't often think we do it enough. I, you know, I think like the, the truth right. bombs, um, they they should start flying a little bit, right? It's <laughs> yep. important. It's important to recognize that like all three of us, right? We're not on the same journey, but we all, you know, transitioned away from, uh, and I feel similarly. Sometimes they're like, hey, Danielle, I want to do this. And I'm like, I don't need to perform ever again. I'm old. Nobody wants to be an old lady on stage. You know, right. like, it's, just, <laughs> it's funny. Like I, you know, for me, I, it's not that I don't love performing anymore. It's just that like, I'm good. I, I yeah. it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I, sim- I had a similar conversation with myself like, is it weird if I say I don't miss performing? Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, right. like, I, I I, don't know. It's strange. It's strange. Mm-hmm. And the feeling comes back to, I want to say too, it's cyclical. That it isn't like, and now I'm set and I'm totally fine. You know, every now and yeah. then there's going to be those moments of I'm I'm questioning or I'm considering or or what's the alternative. Um, but that like the, the destination is in the journey, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We want to thank you so much, Kaylee, for being on the show. We are yes. very, very, very grateful for you sharing your thoughts, your insights, your um, and your story uh, and being so honest and open. So we really appreciate it. Um, and if you enjoyed our conversations, please follow us on Instagram. The podcast information is available in the bio on our link tree. Also, a big thank you to our collaborators, Music Composition by Alexandra Osman and Graphic Design by Dr. Kelsey Elliott. Thank you. Thank you.